everyone. It's Ashley Little from Wholesaling Out of the Box. And today I'm joined by Sean Bowen and Cameron Peters. And we are going to be talking about negotiating with sellers and give you some awesome tips and tricks. Um, so I guess to start, anything from you guys on, I didn't really have a good intro here. <laughs> anything from you guys about like negotiating with sellers? Like what, what are some of the things that you have to have in your head before you go in? And then we'll start discussing specific techniques. So things like don't have a fight with your wife and then um, go try to negotiate with a seller five minutes later. It's not going to go well. <laughs> I'll head down. That was good. There's a bunch of those we can go with, but go for it, Cam. You're playing more on the acquisition stuff these days than I am. Yeah, I would say what you just said is a great point. Don't answer that phone if you know you're not in the headspace. Life happens, guys. The, the dog just ran out the door and you got to go chase it. Not the best time to answer the phone, right? You need to answer the phone, but you need to make sure that you're you're ready to be focused when you answer the phone. Number two is building a rapport. Now, this episode's not about building rapport, but before you start negotiating numbers, you should have some rapport there. The first thing you do not dive into, I would say, is numbers. Um, the first thing you do is understanding the situation and how you can help the seller. And then, you know, <clears throat> we can move on from negotiations from there. Um, but yeah, definitely want to be in the right space and want to ensure that you and the seller are in the right space. So there's a couple of questions we always ask, you know, is this a good time? Do you have some time to talk, talk about this? And I understand if you don't, I can give you a call back later. We can do this tomorrow. Um, but you know, want to make sure you're comfortable and in a place where you can talk. Oh yeah, sure. You know, they're, they're going to let you know. Well, I don't know, man, I'm at work right now. So I'm kind of like out in the hallway, like whispering, probably not the best time. Right. So Definitely want to set that stage and make sure everybody's in the right space. Nice. Sean? Yeah. I always ask permission. I'm always asking permission to the seller. It, did we catch them at a good time? Is, is it, do you have time to talk? Right. I'm never, ever having that forced feeling that they have to stay on the phone. We all know what that feels like, right? You're already calling out of the blue. So when you get on there, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I catch you at a good time? You know, like I'm always asking permission of the seller to continue this talk. And if not, let them go, right? Because if not, the rest of the conversation is only going to get worse, right? Their entire time is focusing on getting off of the phone, not listening to anything you're saying, not paying attention to you and getting away from you. And that's the worst thing to start a conversation with because you're going to be getting into some prying questions. So you need to be able to have them open and willing to talk. So yeah, ask why and always ask if it's a good time. So that's it for that okay. part. Okay, cool. So I think the only other thing um, that you need to know, not necessarily even before you get on the phone with the seller, but before you really try to start negotiating, I guess it's two things. You kind of need to know where they're at with their number and you need to know if you listen to last week's episode on Mayo, Max Allowable Offer, you need to know where your offer is going to be. Whether it's not, whether you have an exact number or you have a range, like, okay, my offer needs to be somewhere within the 100 to 120 number or whatever, or it has to be exactly 115 or it's just not going to work, which is very rare, but maybe, maybe that's how you are doing things. So you need to know where they're at and where you need to be before you start negotiating. Um, so what are, other than, you know, the Mayo formula, um, Cam, when you get on the phone with a seller and you may not, can you talk about what it looks like if you don't know the number before you start talking to them on the phone, 
how do you have that conversation? How do you start trying to see where they're at and how do you figure out where you need to be while you're talking to them or do you? Yeah, I think the numbers come in the, into play a little later in the conversation, but my first questions are always surrounding, you know, what, can you explain to me what you're looking to do here? Like, I understand you want to sell your house, but do you, do you want to sell it in two weeks? Do you want to sell it in two months? Do you need to move? Is it vacant? Just kind of tell me a little bit about the situation that's going on. And that'll usually tell you a lot. And then it moves past that toward condition of the house. Again, not necessarily, I'm not diving too deep into those because those are different kind of conversations. Pass to the, the end number once you understand a little bit about uh, the repairs and what they're looking to do is, okay, so do you have an idea of where you're looking to sell here? Like what price are you looking to get? Just asking that initial question and seeing if everybody has a number. They say they don't have a number. They just don't want to share it. I don't want to call them a liar, but they just don't want to share. So getting past that to see if you can get that number out. And again, some folks are reluctant to share that right off the bat. So usually when it's a reluctant thing, like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I imagine I have some number, but kind of looking to see yours, you know, it usually comes back some way. Very rarely does anybody just save $100,000. It does happen. Very rarely, usually it's a kind of a reluctancy thing to, to give that number because we're all taught the first person give the number loses, right? So past that, it's kind of a um, I want to make sure because I've been very surprised by sellers. You've told me about the condition of the house, right? So I understand kind of a ballpark of where the repairs I need to look into it. I'm looking right now at what it can sell for, but once I get all that together. I'd like to know where you're at. I'm not going to hold you to that, but generally your space where you're at, your ballpark, your range. Because if I'm 50,000 off from that and we're just not going to do business together, I don't want to waste your time. I'll tell you what, that that right there will get you a number usually always because then they understand like, he's just looking not, not to waste my time. And I'll tell him, Mr. Seller, you're looking to get, let's just say hypothetical numbers. You're looking to get 300,000 here. And I'm knowing right now, I'm not paying more than 100 then, you know, it's great to talk to you, but why am I wasting your time? That's why I'm trying to figure out where you are on the spectrum, because sometimes I'll, it just happened this week. I thought a seller was at the, let's say $100,000 area. And they're like, oh no, 215, I won't take anything less. Like they were straight 115,000 away. And I, that, that's a conversation that goes a little bit further, but it's kind of just wasting everybody's time, right? And you're just not, you're not their person. You're not what they're looking for. So. Um, that's how I start to get into the numbers conversation. You want to pull that, I call it the raw soft number of where they want to be because it's not, it's not the end number, I promise you, but it's a starting point. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So um, that, that's where you are getting into the beginning of negotiations. It's getting your head in the right space, making sure that you've kind of done the research and trying to figure out how close you are to the, the seller's number. So now once we get into, um, into actual negotiating and some of the things that we talk about here are things like framing, advance agreement, and price anchoring. So I want to talk at first a little bit about framing. Um, and we actually had a conversation about this the other day about how we really need Jacob for this because he's the one that uses the framing a lot, but can Sean or Cam, can you guys talk about what is framing and how are you using it to talk to the seller about price? without going into advance agreement and um, uh, anchoring, because that's going to be the next two topics. 
I don't know. This is where we talk about this from the book that we always recommend to you guys, right? Never Split the Difference on Chris Voss. Mm -hmm. and like Ashley was saying, framing is one technique. There's multiple techniques you can use. But one that I use more often than not is labeling more than it is framing. So sounds like, looks like, feels like. These are, these are some of the statements when somebody says something that inst instead of making it accusatory, um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I can't even do it because I've been doing it for so long. It's, it sounds like there could be an issue with the septic system, right? Instead of saying, so your septic system is completely shot, right? So it's a way of asking a question, almost a way of asking a question um, to allow the seller to keep talking about that specific problem. Um, so that's, I've, I'm going to speak more to the labels because it's what I've used. Um, and Cam, I don't know, because I know everybody, after we start training, everybody kind of like picks a few different things that work best for them and they still stay inside of that same process. But I play more with labels than I do framing. Yep. All day long. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Are we moving to labels? I don't want to jump. Well, I, we can talk about labels, I guess. Um, and me as someone who does not like to talk to people, so I don't do any of this. I, I don't really use these techniques, but I don't see labeling as as much part of the negotiation side of things. Um, so, but I can, let's talk about labeling for you two. And then I'll go into framing a little bit more because I found a great article that I'll link to in the show notes while we record recording. So I didn't blindside you with this. And I was multitasking. <laughs> um, so I will put that in the show notes so that you guys can see it. But it's a really good example of what framing is and how to use it. But before we do that, let's go back and Cam, tell us a little bit about labeling and especially how it connects to negotiating with sellers. Yeah, so um, labeling is essentially a way that you can almost ask any question, starting it out in the first of a few different ways, right? And asking a question without being direct about it, or hopefully without feeling like you are asking something that's too personal or assuming something that you shouldn't. Um, and they all start out with, it seems like, um, it sounds like, it feels like, or it looks like. So they all start out the same way. It's just obviously, you can't always use look when you should use feel, right? So there, there's a, I'm not going to tell you it's a verb or what, because I don't understand those things, but there's a word that's replaced in there, right? Um, for which one you need to use and it just follows the context, right? So it, it sounds like the house kind of needs uh, full cosmetics inside. Is that fair? Or just, it sounds like the house needs full cosmetics inside. And stopping talking and letting the other person respond, noting that I haven't said your house needs completely updated. I just said it sounds like based on what you told me, right? So I'm going off of what you said. And if there's clarification that needs to be made, that person will make that clarification for you. Well, I wouldn't say full cosmetics. Like I said, I just redid the floors. Like I just put LVT through the whole house. Okay, they're going to clarify that. You might have missed that part, right? Or it's an agreement to say, yeah, that's, yep, okay, cool. I noticed we also said that the, the HVAC was newer. So it sounds like it's only a few years old. It's running good. You've been servicing it. Sounds like that's probably okay. Yeah, okay. 
so those are those are the labels and i think when we when we first learned about these and we first started using these right we were kind of amazed and i think you would be as well if you try them at how the responses come back and how your conversation changes to a much more um easy and comfortable situation for both people right where you're just having a conversation and you're just trying to understand what's going on and you're not you're not telling anybody their house looks like crap honestly because that that doesn't go too well when they get that feeling they, they want the feeling that you're going to help them so i guess that's where i'd frame the labels <laughs> very nice yeah um and one thing i say about chris voss is his techniques are great but they're not really revolutionary they're all things that you say in the english language it's things that you use regularly sounds like feels like looks like it's all things that you are normally saying but you don't realize it until you you think about this and then all of a sudden you realize you're saying it to your your friends or your parents or your significant other and they're like I swear to god if you try to boss me right now and it's like I'm really not I it it really or each other we say it here all the time and one of us is like sounds like and we're like mm, I don't know so um I'm not bossing yeah I'm not bossing I'm just like legitimately trying to understand speaking English yes <laughs> Shonglish um bosslish 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 nice. nice um okay sean anything else on labeling before we move to framing ah let's go okay so framing uh also can be called reframing and it's just changing the way you're presenting the offer by hitting that that black swan that pain point depending on what what language you want to use for that so if you are talking to a seller and you know that you're offering, they wanted 150, but you're going to offer a hundred. Okay. But you also know that they're older. They're trying to get down to Florida to be with their grandkids. Um, and so you're like, yeah, I mean, I can give you a hundred thousand dollars. Um, and we can close in three to four weeks, you know, no inspections, nothing. It's not as much of a hassle as retail deals. And so you're reframing it so that, and that was not great because I'm not the smooth one, but one of you guys can probably do it better, but you're reframing it so that you're not saying, well, I'm offering you 50,000 less than you want. Um, you're saying, okay, I'm offering you a hundred thousand and you'll be able to move down to Florida to be with your grandkids sooner. You'll be able to take the time to actually pack without having to stop and leave the house so that people can come in and, um, tramp through your house to take a look at it and sell it and all that jazz. So that's, that's what framing is. It's reframing it, reframing how you say this offer so that you are hitting on this black swan, this pain point, the thing that the seller wants. Okay. You're focusing on that as opposed to just focusing on the price. Does that make sense? That was a great, great example. That was awesome. Thank you. All right. So do either one of you want to attempt to say it better than I did? Like the, what you would actually say to the seller? Because really, I'm too wordy. I ramble, guys. If you have not noticed this by now, I'll just keep going with the seller. So it's really different. It's really hard to put that in an example. Like if you're trying to play it out, because I'll use yours, for example, right? You were saying they're going down to Florida. So it's it's framing in their head where they're going, what they're doing. And it, it's now it's a picture of reality, right? So you can also say like this is painting future pictures for people of why it makes sense to go with this offer, even though it's not what you want. Right. So I think that's probably the best way to say it. Like, like you did great with how you were doing it and pitching it would just be 
look, it sounds like we're going to be able to, and I just did it, right? It sounds like we're going to be able to get you what you need. It's not as much money, but it's going to get you to what your end goal is. And it sounds like your end goal is to get you down to Florida, live with your family, be around your friends. And we're going to be able to do that, but we're going to have to do it at this price because that will get you where you want to be. Right. So I think the delivery there is just a little bit different and you did it the same way. It's just how it rolls off the tongue versus the way you just said it, but it's still the same angle. It's still the same angle. So I think that's great. And this is an example guys of playing with these words. And like Ashley said is, yeah, it's just the English language, but you're delivering it in a certain fashion that psychologically does work. And these are things that we use in our company because it does work. You know what I mean? Like if this guy's using these tactics for negotiating for life. We're doing it for houses. Probably works. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's awesome. I think that, that was a great delivery. That's not one that I use a lot on, or I don't even think about using it because I'm more intent intentional on labels and I'm more intentional in different aspects that we're going to talk a little bit more on. But yeah, I think it's Jacob is one that does that a lot. And that's because of his type of personality and who he is and the way he talks. So, mm-hmm. and that's good because everybody picks up a little bit different right? And everybody talks a little bit different that works towards them, right? As them, as a person that fits them, like, it's totally different. I cannot, yeah. I cannot talk like that. Like he's very- English versus Camblish yes. versus Ashlish, English. <laughs> yeah. We'll just keep yeah, going. All kinds of different stuff out there, guys, but learning how to use these techniques and practice them and then fail them, right? Realizing like, like oh, I can't talk like that. Or maybe I need to deliver that a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Right. Recording yourself and listening to how you talk to sellers is going to be one of your biggest assets. Right. I promise you the day I started listening to what I sounded like on the phone with sellers was the day I started changing the way I talk. It was a completely different talk to just realizing like what it sounds like. And you don't, Mm -hmm. you'll be your biggest critique. You'll be your critic, critic. You'll be your biggest critic. critic. You will critique yourself worse than anybody else ever will. Right. And you'll be like, Oh my God, I sound horrible. Why did I even say that? You know what I mean? Or, you know, that phenomenon where you don't sound the same to yourself as you do like to everyone else. And then you're like, does my voice really sound like that? (laughs) That's why I can't necessarily listen and edit the podcast. I'm like, oh, I don't know how I, if I sound like that, my voice sounds so annoying. How do people listen to me? (sighs) No, I think you did a great delivery of not using it all the time. So, or being in that role, I think did a great example. So I think it's good. Thanks. Cam, anything on framing before we move on? No, that was a good example. Thank you. Not bad for multitasking, right? Right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. So next up is advanced agreement. And this is another one that Jacob is like, he uses it all the time. All right. And so do either one of you want to talk about advanced agreement? Do you want me to talk about it? How are you guys feeling? Go ahead, Cam. Do you, I think you can use that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can take the advance agreement. So that's one that definitely um, will help you. You're looking to frame it in the person's mind that, that you guys have come to an agreement, even if you haven't signed something. And that's normally done before you go out and see the house or <clears throat> before perhaps you bring another decision maker on in on it. If you talk to one person and you realize that it's a husband and there's a wife, it's a brother and there's a sister. Um, an advance agreement is something that you can use to essentially reframe and ask for an agreement. And so essentially that would look like, okay, so Mr. Seller, um, we talked about the condition of the house. I understand my basic repair numbers, obviously sight unseen here. Um, and 
thousand is where we think we're going to be with the with the offer number. Um, and uh, it sounds like I'm going to meet you tomorrow at the property, right? So we can take a look and just verify everything. But I mean, it sounds like at that one hundred ten thousand dollar mark, where we're at here, everything checks out tomorrow. You ready to sign paperwork right away so we can move forward and get this closed for you? Is that right? And you're looking for the yes because anything comes back besides a yep. There's something. What, what's what's the hesitation there? You know what I mean? If it's well, no, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't. I, I don't want to commit to that. Okay. Okay. May I ask what, what what's holding you back? What, what what's the reservation there? It sounds like something something's not quite right there. Can we talk about that? Just try better to peel that back on the phone than the next day there when they're like, well, I never agreed to this hundred and ten thousand. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you think we could have talked about that yesterday and saved everybody some time, right? So um, it's very helpful to basically um, reframe everything because it's, it's part of a frame and advance agreement and ask for essentially what you guys have already agreed on, ask for them to verbally agree to that um, after you've said everything. So if that makes sense, um, that's advance agreement in a nutshell. And primarily I use it when we've agreed upon a price but we have not signed yet. Yeah. And yeah. I know that, yeah, that was good. Um, I know that Jacob also uses that if he is going in person to uh, view a property. So he does this a lot. And then he goes in person with the contract printed out ahead of time so that he can fill in that final number um, or, you know, just in case there's a negotiation, but he might also come with a printed copy that has that number filled in. And Cam, I don't know if you do that as well with your um, advance agreement, but I think that that's a really good, especially if you're going in person to put a face to the name, to the voice, it's a really good way to get the sellers on board. Right. <laughs> okay, Sean, anything on advance agreement or Cam? Sorry, were you? No, I think that was really good. I think Cam touched on most of all of it because it's pretty much the same thing. I think it's really yeah. good. It's just very important to agree ahead of time whether it be numbers, whether it be things that you're doing, getting keys, there can be a lot of different types of advance agreements, right? Like you're agreeing ahead of time so that it's not something that pops up on you. And I promise that will be a game changer for you if you do that ahead of time. You didn't tell me this. You didn't tell me that. Um, we didn't agree to this. We, I mean, literally, this is what people are saying to you, right? So Mr. Seller, if you know, we come out and we realize like there's more work needs to be done, you agree that I'm going to have to drop the price on this by that amount that it takes to repair that. Yeah, I get it. Not a problem. I've told you everything that's going to happen. Cool. And then we're all good. Right. So then you get there and you're like, well, this isn't what you said it was. And that isn't what you said it was, unfortunately. So we're going to have to put some more money into it. So you remember when I told you on the phone that I have to make a lower price? Yep. I remember. All right. So where are we at? What's the number? Right. Some people are going to disagree with that. And they're like, no, you never told me that. Call that selective memory. Um, so <laughs> Then there's people that are like, yes, I do remember saying that. And where are we going to be now? Where, where, where do we have to drop the price to? So I think it's very important. And I think Ken touched on most of all of it. Okay, cool. So our last uh, technique before our final, um, our final tip is anchoring. So Sean, do you want to go into anchoring and tell us a little bit about what price anchoring actually is? Yep. So a few different tactics on how you can do this price anchoring thing. You can do it from, hey, this is the price I'm going to be at if we come out and see things, that things are going to change. Um, price anchoring. Uh, so 
you, okay, it sounds like you need 150 grand. Um, just quick numbers off of that area. I know it and I can tell you that I'm normally buying it around $70,000, right? So I threw out a really low number to their high number. So when I come back to it again later, it's not just this like run you over feeling. It's like that number got said in the beginning of the conversation of talking about numbers, right? So I think that's a, a, part, a part, at least that I pay attention to on this price anchoring part where it's been mentioned, right? Um, and then another price anchoring could be in rehab numbers, right? So we agree that we're at like $40,000 today based on these quick numbers we ran. Yep, I agree. Okay, so about 40 grand. If I come out and see anything higher than $10,000, I, I probably won't be able to be interested in the deal, right? So then when you do get there and you notice it, it's not, again, it's not this run over feeling or you never mentioned anything about it. Right. I think and this would save everybody so much time if they would just take a little bit of time doing it. Right. So and that goes really good inside that virtual world when you're talking about doing deals that you're not even in the market to go look at homes. So it's another really big piece of advance agreements. OK, Cam, anything on anchoring? Yeah, I think it's I think it's important because um, most all of the numbers uh, it's very rare that you get a seller where you you're making the offer where you need to make the offer and they're like, oh, yeah, that works. It's usually a everybody wants to win. There wants to be some negotiation. So setting that anchor um, early, which I do just kind of like Sean mentioned um, to know that like, I, I know that you want to be at 150. And I know I haven't even run out the final numbers. I will do that here for you. But I know I won't be more than 100,000 because it's just it, in that area that that's not working for me. So. I understand, but I want to throw that out there. Let's run these numbers out, but just understanding that it, I know I'm not going to be over 100,000 and seeing that response that comes back, right? And it, it anchors for the, the further conversation to when you come back and be like, oh, actually, I know I said one going to be more than 100,000, but I think I could pay you a couple thousand over 100. I know that's not quite where you want to be still, but you know it's better than what you offered in the first place. Um, and it sets that expectation because everybody wants to win. <laughs> I say that a lot, that... Of course, we want to win and we want to get our money, but uh, we we only we only win, quote unquote, by closing the sale and helping a seller out. Right. So the seller wants to feel like they got the best number. They got the best deal. They got a good deal. Right. And a lot of times not about the number. It's more about the fact that they can feel like they got the value they deserved from the property that they're selling. So setting that anchor allows you to. Um, understand what is really unrealistic, what is really not going to work for the seller. And that, mm. that response that comes back will tell you like hundred, less than a hundred. No, you're crazy. Like, I don't even know why you're calling me. Right. Those responses are very aggressive and targeted. It's probably not going to work out. Right. But you got there, you got there quicker than you would have if you'd take them all the way. And again, maybe it's just not going to work. Right. Some, they don't all work. I promise you more, more do not work than more work. That makes sense. It sounds like a tongue twister, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that goes back to framing as well. Um, you're, you're using this price anchoring to reframe your, your offer here by saying, you know, I know that I'm not giving you, I'm, I'm not able to give you uh, 110, but I'm able to give you 103. I, that's that's really close and probably would be fine, but I'm able to give you 103, even though I had originally said 100. So it shows you, like Cam said, as the quote loser, 
because you're having to go up in um, up in price and reframing the whole narrative so that they see themselves as the winner and they're getting, you know, not necessarily what they wanted, but they still won. So I think that's, that's a good aspect of framing too, that we didn't touch on. Um, Another thing with anchoring is I think it's really important to have that talk in the beginning, because let's say you come back later and there's that big septic issue or a big termite issue or other big repairs that we, no one saw coming. Um, and then you, you're going back and you're going to have to ask for a reduction. It doesn't seem like as much of a punch to the throat. Like we say, um, here within the company, it's not as much of a punch to the throat because you talked about it. You mentioned that hundred thousand dollars as opposed to one fifty earlier. Okay. So it's like, oh yeah, I remember that number. So it doesn't seem as scary or as low. That's a good one. I like that. Anything else on, um, uh, anchoring. It's like, what are we talking about again? <laughs> I think that's good. I think we've touched on a lot of different parts of anchoring and different places you can put it. So mm-hmm. I think if anybody's listening to this replay, this is a practice thing. You've got yeah. to go through this and do this. It doesn't just happen overnight. Right. I mean, this is years of doing this stuff for myself and the team's doing it within a few years. Right. And day by day, they all get better at different parts of this. So this is a marathon. This is not a sprint with this kind of learning. So the more you can do it, the more you can fail at it and learn, the better you're going to be. So get in there and learn that stuff and use it and fail with it and learn what not to do and record yourself doing it so that you can go back and listen to yourself and be like, I don't even know why I said it that way. So very, very important to understand all of that in order to use all these types of tactics. Yeah. And real quick, I would say this really goes back to, we were talking about our, our event, our meeting that we have where the topic is overcoming objections. This really goes back to that. So if you haven't already, I would highly suggest signing up for one of our meetings um, because not only, especially the overcoming objective one, if you can, I know it's hard because it only happens twice a year, but if you can catch that, but just any of the meetings, we will always sprinkle a little bit of this in. And the second half of every single one of our meetings is about, you know, sprinkle is about um, it calls and talking to sellers. So we do role-playing calls so you can practice and watch these techniques. And we're not nice sellers. You know, we're going to be mean to you in these role-playing calls. So you'll really get some good practice for that. So I would highly suggest anyone out there, if you haven't already, or even if you have and you need more practice, come to some of our events. Um, Okay, so then the final thing I want to touch on on this episode is something that we call the $10,000 question, okay? Um, And I can never get it right, so I'm going to toss it to Cam here so that you can do it correctly. Yeah, so we call this the $10,000 question because it will normally get you $10,000 or more off the stated price, the seller's price, or the seller's maybe bottom price if you've got them down a little bit. And it goes a little bit like this. And we ask you not to uh, paraphrase, not to change it, not to do almost anything to it, say it exactly the way it goes, right? Um, Because it does work for sure. And it goes a lot like this. So if Ashley was a seller, it'd be like, Ashley, so I know we've talked today. Uh, We kind of understand the numbers where we're at. Uh, I got one more question to ask you here. I'm wondering if I could pay you all cash pay all the closing costs for you, close in as little as two weeks, what's the least you'd consider selling for? 
and the silence here is is um, purposeful, right? Because you want to wait. And I almost want to add a recording of the call that I had this morning because it literally went about 25 seconds before he even said, um, and then it went about another 10 seconds before he reduced his price by $15,000. And I didn't say anything. I was pretty close at some point, about the 32nd mark, those, uh, hey, sorry, are you still there? I just, I don't know if I lost you. But I didn't even get that far. I literally did not say anything for 25 seconds to watch the clock go. Yeah. Check and guys, I will get that recording from Cam and put it in the show notes. So that <laughs> You can that hear is, that, that, that question is invaluable. Um, I've gotten a hundred thousand dollar reduction, believe it or not, based off that question. That's obviously outside of the norm, but 10 plus is the norm. 10 plus always. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, this was, this is negotiating tips and tricks. This is the trick here. This is, you know, we gave you a bunch of tips on how to do it. Here's the trick at the end. We do it at the end so that we keep you listening. It's super important. Um, and like Cam said, it is invaluable. We get so many reductions on this. It is a very, I think, fair question to everyone involved because we can mostly do these things, uh, title aside and, you know, all that. But we, we have the ability to help these sellers to close quickly and to get them where they want to be next. And I think this question kind of helps show that. Um, Sean, anything on the 10K question? Because uh, I don't know, I think you you sort of developed it based on some other things people saw, but it's a like, I consider it a Sean Bowen original, so. Yeah, I'm gonna, claim, I'm gonna claim that one. I can't wait for these things to go out somewhere in the world and they come back and somebody are, say call it something different, but we're all gonna recognize it and be like, that is totally the $10,000 question. I've actually heard it. I forgot. It was like almost a year ago. I was somewhere else. And somebody was talking about asking a specific question that got you a reduction. And I was like, all right, go ahead and say it. And it was really close to ours. So, but they freelanced it and they changed it and it didn't sound right. And I think it's really important guys, because this started years ago by just asking this question. It's almost back to what we call our free dessert. Right. But it's just asking the question, right why not ask it? It's the only thing, worst thing they're going to say is no, or they're going to come back with reasons of why, and then they're going to give you your problems and you're going to touch the pain points and then you're going to get the reduction, right? This was something that was a game changer for me when I first started. And then since we've taught it to acquisitions and they've used it, it is awesome to watch it perform, right? But what I will say is, is that it's delivery is in very intentional the way it is done and the way it is said, and it's, that's what makes it work. So practice it, use it, um, and see what happens. But I would love to hear the results off of this. Like if anything on these show or these responses or these notes where you leave us anything, leave us comments, right? Cause I can tell you from over the years that we've had students and we've told them, you know, asking for free dessert or asking this question and we'll get pictures like, Oh my God, it worked. And here's the reduction or here's a picture of my free ice cream, you know, like that kind of stuff. So this works, guys, and I promise you, you want to learn this and you want to try it and keep trying it and over and over and over. Like Cam said, one of his was, you know, just asking the question, I got a $100,000 reduction. What does that tell you? Like the number wasn't even real, right? She was way, way shooting for the fences. So awesome, awesome 
uh, tip and trick. And one of those that you got to put in your arsenal because it works. And think about if your wholesale fee is 10 grand already, and then you get another 10 grand by just asking a question, now you're $20,000. Right. Mm -hmm. So very, very big part there. And I'm hopefully I get to hear some stories from you guys and hear some feedback. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Or some recordings. Like if you can Oh, yeah. Recordings, Send us some recordings. Works. We'll put it on a future podcast. We'll bring you on and yeah. you can talk about it. That'd be yeah. cool. You're really um, cool. Okay. Any other tips and tricks? I just thought of another one real quick is um, as you're negotiating with sellers and you need to play off of what they do for reductions. So if they come down by five grand, you need to go up by five grand. If they come down by 10 or 15, you're going to follow that same pattern because it's going to make sense in their head. And it's kind of, it, it follows in with where they're thinking. Um, That's a good any one. other tips, good tricks, negotiation tactics that you guys think we should share here before we sign off? Nope. Join us on one of our meetings. Um, come yeah. over there and learn these. And at the end of every class that we have, whether it's virtual or whether it's in person, you will get the same experience. And actually it's better if you're online because it's really like you're talking to a phone, right? Cause you're doing it. We turn the cameras off. You feel like you're on a phone and that's what this is meant to be. So you'll really get that experience and I promise you it'll help. Um, we have had tremendous feedback off of that. People have said every single time they come to these, man, you guys were like, that's how it is. That's what it really feels like. And you're like, yeah, it's even worse, but this is just a piece of what it sounds like. So come join us over there, go to the events page on wholesaling out of the box and come join us at one of our meetings. And, and learn something at the first hour and the second hour, we always role play. And uh, I promise you it'll be something that you'll definitely want to invite your friends to and then come back to and, and learn. So I look forward to helping you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Cam, final thoughts? Everybody said it all. Sometimes okay. it's just to be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just got to shut up and wait. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thanks, Sean and Cam, for joining me today. And thanks for everyone who is watching or listening. Please go online uh, when you get the chance to rate, review, subscribe. We're pretty much everywhere. Check us out at www.wholesalingoutofthebox.com. Look at the show notes because I've put pretty much everything we've talked in here, um, talked in this podcast, I've put links to. And like Sean said, let us know once you're trying these techniques, what is working for you and what's not working for you. Join us in a meeting so that we can help you refine that technique because that's another thing we can do. And we have... Um, we have personal Zoom calls that you can do with anyone on our team. And part of what you can do there is just role play, seller role play, so that we can give you very individualized feedback. So look out for that as well. Um, just knowing that talking to sellers is so important. And that's pretty much all we've got today. Again, thank you for listening. Thanks for trusting us. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.